0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Wednesday, January the 5th, wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace and God's life and God's goodness today. We continue through the Christmas season, and so Merry Christmas to all of you. I hope you continue to, I won't just say celebrate, but but be in awe of, be amazed. and And I wish this for me too, my friends, just know that. Uh, at, at God's wondrous, uh, imbuing God's self within creation, becoming one, not just with humanity, but with all of creation and able to be in awe of that, that wondrous gift that, that distance is no longer, that distance isn't there. Um, uh, yeah, it's so good. Anyway, anyway. We continue through that Christmas season for, what, four more days until this weekend when we celebrate the uh, baptism of the Lord, which is the final feast of the season, and we enter ordinary time until Ash Wednesday. So, brothers and sisters, we are going to read the gospel from Mark again today, and we're going to take the one immediately following yesterday's gospel. So, if you remember, if you were able to listen to yesterday's pod— It was the feeding of the 5,000. Give them some food yourselves. That whole idea of if we are to walk in Jesus's footsteps, we are called to take, bless, break, and share in the same manner that he does. And uh, trusting that our God has given us what we need for that, to be able to do that. So we're going to pick up immediately following, if you want to follow along, Mark 6, verses 45 to 52, so a little bit shorter today, 45 to 52 in Mark chapter 6. Let's break open God's Word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After the 5,000 had eaten and were satisfied... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and proceed him to the other side toward Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And when he had taken leave of them, he went off to the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was far out on the sea, and he was alone on shore. Then he saw that they were tossed about while rowing, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. They had all seen him and were terrified, but at once he spoke with them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely astounded. They had not understood the incident of the loaves. On the contrary, their hearts were hardened. My friends, the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's take a look here. What we pick up right away, After the 5,000 had eaten and were satisfied, right? That's what we talked about yesterday. That we're only made, you know, as as Pascal said, we have a God-shaped hole within every one of us that only God can fill. And brothers and sisters, we do everything in our imagination and power to fill it with other things. Some harmless, some not so harmless. Uh, and uh, and we try to fill it with that and god patiently waits and says are you ready yet have you have you tried with all your might all those other things are are you ready to move toward me are you ready to say come come because i'm waiting and i'll fill it and i'll be and and, and only then will you be satisfied so after the 5000 after the masses had realized who the Christ was, and were satisfied. Jesus and I don't know why he does this. Now again, there's the 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 first level, the upper level, the the outer level, as they say, of the story. Uh, that Jesus simply wanted some time alone uh, to spend in prayer after perhaps spending much of his energy or being in, so in communion with God that he just needed to thank God for that presence and that miracle and that wondrous act and and what that meant and. I mean, again, how wondrous that is. And and so on that level, you know, he's just like, hey guys, I just need some me time. You guys go out in the boat and I'm going to be here. But on a deeper level, I'm not sure what it means that he made his disciples get in the boat and proceed him toward the other side, Bethsaida, while he dismisses the crowd. Almost like he's testing them and saying, hey, do you think you can do this without me? I mean, yep, I said give them some food yourself. But remember, it was me, meaning Jesus, who blessed, um, who, took, who received, blessed, broke, and shared, and gave it to them to do it. So we can't do anything apart from him. And it's almost like they're testing him. He's testing them to say, go out and see what you can do on on your own. And as we see, brothers and sisters, they don't do well. They don't do well Because about the fourth watch of the the night, now that's about three in the morning, um, it, it says, Jesus looked and saw that the disciples were being tossed about while rowing. Why? Because the wind was against them. Boy, isn't that the truth? We get that, don't we? When we feel like we're doing something on our own, and we're wondering, is this of me? Is this of you, God? Um, or, or we don't even ask that question, and we just kind of venture out on our own, and things don't feel like they're just falling into place, or we're going against the flow. That's that's what that's what's happening here. They're out there, and the wind is against them. On their own, they're not able to make it. No, again. There's first-level, outer-level stuff there, and there's inner-level stuff there going on. In the story, they just, you know what? They, they came up upon a storm, and they were having trouble rowing. But on a deeper level, my friends, there's nothing we can do. No, no amount of our good intentions and good actions and cleverness and intelligence and discipline and hard work and creativity, none of all that, Can accomplish the work of god if god is not a part of it we'll be bucking the wind at every turn but the minute the minute we invite him into that boat what happens so they uh they see him walking on the sea now i have no idea what this line means that he meant to pass by them i mean my heavens that just doesn't make a lick of sense to me because, you know, here he is on the shore before that. He sees that they're being tossed about because the wind was against them. And so he comes to walking toward them. I mean, why, is he just like, hey, hey, guys, see, look what I can do. Like, I'm going to get there before you do. You know, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, taunting them almost. Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race you. I'm, I'm passing by you. I don't get that line at all. If you get it, I look forward to that understanding. I, I really would love that because that one eludes me. But when they saw him, and so maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. And, and, and I'm not trying to be coy here. That, this just came to me. Maybe again, it's part of the test. They're out there trying to do it on their own. And he's like, you done yet? I'm going to come into view, but you got to invite me. I'm not going to get into that boat without an invitation. But you know what? The minute you invite me, I'm there. I don't know if that's the, re- the, the reason the gospel writer wrote it like that or not, but I like that. I like that. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, first of all, they were filled with fear, terrified, but at once he spoke to them and said, Hey, you guys, it's me. And then he said, of course, the the most used line, the most used phrase in all of Scripture, do not be afraid. Why? Because we're afraid all the time. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind died down. When, When Christ is with us, brothers and sisters, we're not going against the wind. The wind either dies down or it's behind us. No, that doesn't—okay, I don't, I don't mean to imply that when Christ is with us, we walk between the raindrops and there's no suffering. We know, that, we know that that's not how it is. But I'm just saying, if our God invites us into a task, he's going to give us the, the means to accomplish it. But if God doesn't invite us into the task, and instead it's you and I— out there attempting to do it on our own, we're gonna be going against the wind. But we have to invite him in to make sure that he's a part of it. I guess the last piece that I wanna focus on here um, is is simply this. The, The disciples were in the midst of this storm and they see a ghost and they're terrified. Uh, It said that they uh, cried out. Uh, They had all seen him and were terrified. Brothers and sisters, when you and I are in the midst of a storm, our eyes, I suspect, again, I know me, and and I, I suspect it's you too, but I don't know that. I know for me, my eyes can easily be taken up on the size of the waves and all the reasons I'm not going to make it, or how they're going to come crashing down upon me and, uh, and things are going to go from bad to worse, or all my worst nightmares, all my, my, my visions in my head that are not great, that are cataclysmic, are going to come to fruition. And I can be filled with fear. And I can make decisions out of fear. I can make decisions out of security or decisions out of self-interest in order to make sure my boat gets to the other side there. And I hope yours does too, but, but right now i got to make sure mine does. And so I'm not making decisions based on love of community or based on love of others or even based on love of God. I'm making decisions out of my own need for survival or my own need to get out of this storm. Are you similar to me on that? I think that's a human thing. But Jesus says to us, there's, there's a reason, right? There's a reason the most used phrase in all of Scripture is, do not be afraid. I was reading a uh, daily devotional to one of uh, my the patients to whom I serve today. And, uh, and it simply said this, chew on this phrase and all those other things, they just go away. And the phrase is this, Jesus, I trust in you. Just chew on that phrase. Jesus, I trust in you. Until that goes from our mouth and our head all the way down to our heart. And our gut, where we know it's true. I want to finish today, uh, at least the reading portion, uh, with uh, again going back to First John. So the first reading today is is going to follow up immediately where we were yesterday. Remember, yesterday we did First John four seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. That whole idea, so good. Well, I want to do. You know, verses about 16, 17, 18. I want to read these again, 1 John chapter 4, because this is what we're talking about. Actually, I'm just going to read verse 18, okay? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. There is no fear in love, because perfect love drives out fear. Reminds me of a Bruce Springsteen song, and if you don't know it, oh, oh, well, and most of you won't know it. Um, it's off of uh, his album, Tunnel of Love, came out in 87, which is a tremendous album. There's a little known song on there, track number five, called Cautious Man. Um, a wonderful song about uh, a gentleman who couldn't make a decision and he lived his life between fear and love. And, And the line is, on his right hand Billy tattooed the word love and on his left hand the word fear and in which hand held his fate was never clear. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I don't think we're that different from that gentleman, are we? In his right hand, Billy tattooed the word love and in his left hand, the word fear. And in which hand held his fate? was never clear. We vacillate. We go back and forth. Are we love? Is that where our decisions are coming out today? Or are they fear? Perfect love, our God reminds us, casts out fear. Because there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Which hand, my friends, will we listen to? Our right or our left? Today we celebrate another feast day. Yesterday we had Elizabeth Ann Seton, uh, the first American-born saint. And uh, today we have another one, not American-born. It's St. John Neumann, N-E-U-M-A-N-N, St. John Neumann. Here's all I'm going to say about John. Died about the age of 48, 49. And uh, born in the Czech Republic, or wasn't the Czech Republic at the time, but in that area. Came over at the age of 25, was ordained a priest, about the age of, of 30. And effectively what he did was when he was Bishop of Philadelphia, or Archbishop probably, he started the first... Catholic school system. Now, remember, Elizabeth Ann Seton started the first Catholic school in, I believe it was Maryland. But St. John Neumann, you know what his gift was? Being organized. That was his gift. He was able to be organized and to organize those things around him to make, well, I mean, in a sense, doesn't that level mountains and raise valleys to make it easier for the the Spirit of God to come? And so he created, through his organization, a uh, diocesan parochial school system. And he invited communities of sisters and brothers to come in and teach at those schools. It was the first of its kind in the country. And he hadn't been dead for Three years and he was beatified, but it took another hundred until he was canonized. Brothers and sisters, if God can use John Neumann's organization and bring him to sainthood, well, not him, whether that's, you know, can can do sanctified, saintly things through it, can make the kingdom come quicker, can level mountains and raise valleys through a simple gift like organization... Can he not use whatever simple gifts you and I have? All we need to do is trust that our God gave them to us for mission and purpose. And we just have to say yes and hold on. Let's pray. We continue through these Sorrowful Mysteries today, my friends. And uh, we are on the third. So let us begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The third Sorrowful Mystery O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. John Neumann, pray for us. My friends, blessings to you on this Wednesday. Be well, and God's peace be with you.